Scott, we'd love to welcome everyone today. If you're a guest with us today, we welcome you. We're so glad you're here. Thankful to everybody that pressed through the holiday spirit and made it to church today. Amen. Praise God. We're thankful. See some, some new faces, some guests, and we're so glad you're here today worshiping with us. And we're so blessed by your presence today. Amen. Praise God. I'm not in a hurry today, but I'm hungry for some reason. It just hit me. So, the Lord said He'd do a quick work today. Amen. Praise God. Go with me to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. And verse number 21. Matthew 15, verse number 21. Then Jesus went hence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And the disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cried after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. For just a few moments today as the Lord helps us, I want to talk to you from this subject. When your hunger becomes greater than your desperation. When your hunger becomes greater than your desperation. Father, we thank you for your power and your presence, your spirit that's been in this place today. I pray, Lord, now that you would speak to us touch us. I know, Lord, there's someone in here today that you want to speak to, and I pray that you would anoint the word, that it would find the anointing of the ear, that life would come in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing this morning. If you would take a larger view this morning, allow me, for those of you that know these things, allow me to sort of Take a moment and speak on this. But if you took a larger snapshot of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and particularly the ministry of Jesus, I don't know if there is a way to estimate quite how many people were impacted by the ministry of Jesus. We know that there were a certain amount of miracles. We know that there were times where He fed 5,000. He fed 4,000. And we know a lot of the sort of famous stories in the gospel. But to really get an accurate total of how many people were healed or touched by the ministry of Jesus would be, in my opinion, quite difficult to estimate because there were times in Scripture where, God, where the Bible says, and He healed all. 
We don't know if all was 5, 10, 15, 20, 100, 200, 300, 500. It just said he healed all. But if you would just take sort of a conservative effort of estimating the number of people that were directly impacted by the ministry of Jesus. I'm not talking about those who simply saw him from a distance, that got his autograph or just saw him and said, oh, there's Jesus. But I'm talking about people that either ate from the food that he blessed and broke and multiplied or people that were directly healed. And if you go even farther, the family members that were affected, touched by these miracles. You have to start getting into the tens of thousands of people. It starts to add up quickly and you get into more than just one or two and now you're getting into thousands and even into the tens of thousands. But if you go a little farther in the story, you have all these people that were touched miraculously. Not, not talking about just heard about him, but you're talking about people that, that stood there and watched Five loaves and two fishes multiplied and thousands fed to the point they had baskets left over. You know about people that watched as blind were healed and lame walked and deaf heard and things of those nature took place. And you got thousands upon thousands, but you go deeper in the story. We know the crucifixion of Jesus. And even after the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection that came, when it got down to it, that number started to shrink farther and farther. Those that were touched were many, but those who followed became fewer and fewer. And by the time you got down to the followers, you had 500 that stood there and watched Him ascend into heaven. You're talking to a man who rose from the dead, and on top of that, he's standing before you, ascending into heaven. And even out of that group, you go a little farther in the story, and we find there's only 120 left. And you look at this, and you wonder, how did we go from thousands upon thousands, and even into the tens of thousands, and you go a little farther into the story, and even after the miracle of the resurrection, and seeing a dead man walk again, and, and looking in and seeing the scars on his hands, and knowing the scars in his head, and knowing that it wasn't some trick, but this is really him, and then to stand there and watch him ascend into heaven. No wires. No special effects. And then go farther in the story. Now you're down to 120. What happened to all of those that were healed? Because there are stories in the Bible that I've preached about and you've heard preached about or even if you're not a regular church of attendance, attendee, you have may have heard these stories or if you're around church at all for just a few a little period of time you'll start to hear these stories referenced one of the most famous ones in all the gospels was the woman with the issue of blood it was a woman who had traveled all over and spent all her money and had gotten to the end and she had no more money to spend and the bible says that she heard that Jesus was coming to 
where she was. And the Bible says she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I could be made whole. And the Bible says she reached and she pressed and she clawed and she fought her way through the crowd. And she reached out and she touched the hem of his garment. And the Bible says she was made whole that day. But I wonder, the Bible doesn't say, but I wonder, was she a part of the 120? My guess would be probably not. Doesn't say that she was or wasn't. I'm just guessing. Because you know what the problem was? Jesus was going around and all these miracles. But the problem is most of the time miracles are based on desperation. And desperation is great. But there's got to be a point where hunger becomes greater than desperation. Because you see, we've got a little glimpse of it here in this story we just read. Jesus is walking through this town and there's this woman that approaches him. And she starts off with desperation. You've got to picture for a moment where she was. First of all, she was an outcast. She wasn't on the in crowd. She wasn't, she, she wasn't a part of the, the group that Jesus was ministering to. She, she already had one strike against her. And she comes to him. And the first words out of her mouth was, Help me, my daughter is vexed with a devil. There are times, sometimes I think my kids have. <laughs> Jesus' name. But she legitimately had a serious problem with her her child that was vexed. And she came to Jesus. And can you imagine the desperation of that mother? When you have this child at home that's foaming at the mouth. You have this child at home that's uncontrollable. If you've never been around a possessed person, it is something you have to see to believe. I remember we were in Africa and there was this, there was a, the, the, the Bible school there had a bunch of young, eager, fired up young men that were ready to take on hell with a water gun, but they just took it on in the wrong manner. They forgot to load the water in the gun, I think. And there was this young girl that came and she was possessed. She probably weighed 75 pounds soaking wet. And so she was severely possessed. And they decided the best way to take care of this was she started acting up. And so they thought the best way was to take her in this room and try to calm her down physically. Five walked in and five limped out. Because that little 75-pound little girl whipped those five dudes up, down, and sideways. And so I, I... some of those, Lori was, Lori was there somewhere in that, we were, we, were, we were in Africa, this one crusade we were at, and you got all these people down there, and you got people jumping around, slithering like snakes, and all this crazy nonsense. And I can't imagine if that was my child that was in that situation. What that would feel like as a mother, what that would do to you as a mother, how much sorrow would be in your heart. And she comes to him, and it took some guts to approach him. It took some boldness. It took some desperation to approach Jesus and said, look, I've got a problem. My daughter has got a devil. And he gives her sort of the silent treatment. And finally, when he does speak, he says, can't happen. I've not come to you. But watch where it changes. Her first 
response to Jesus was, help my child. But the second time she asks him, she says, help me. You see, desperation, when you come to God in desperation, you're desperate for Him to fix your problem. And you come to Him out of desperation because you've got something you need Him to fix. But hunger doesn't care if the problem is fixed. Hunger says, I don't care if you don't fix my problem. Touch me. The second time she talked was not desperation. The second time she talked was hunger. Because the first time she said, touch my daughter. But the second time she said, help me. Because he looked at her and says, it can't happen. She said, but even the dogs get the crumbs from the master table. Something happened. Because you see, desperation is one thing. But the Bible says, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst. There's something that happens in the heart of God when someone comes that's hungry for Him. Not hungry simply for what God can do for you. That's desperation. Everybody in here today has had been in that time where you were desperate and you needed God to fix something. But you know what the problem with that is? He fixes it, then what? Can't tell you how many times I've seen someone come to God and I'm talking about messed up. And God comes in and boom! Fixing and just hits them and fixes them and cleans them up. And God starts to do things. And then after about three, four weeks, a month or two, six months, they start to drift away. Why? Because they were driven to Him by a need. But they never let their desperation become hunger. It only stayed desperation. And so because of that, when there's no desperation, there's no need for God. When you don't have a need, you don't really say, well, I don't have really need today. I don't really need to go to church today. I don't really need anything. I don't come to church because I need something. I come to church because the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in His name, He would be in the midst. I don't come to church today because I need something. I come to church today because He is here. I want to be where He is. I want to be in fellowship with Him. But if I'm coming because I need something, and yes, at one point all, we've all come because we needed something. I'm not saying that's wrong. But the point of the matter is, look at all the stories in the Gospels where people needed something. But what happens when your need is met? And you know what happens? Can I tell you this? There are people that create drama for the sake of drama. There are people that become so addicted to this sort of need-based life. When you don't have a need, you create a need. And you don't have any... And I see person after person after person after person in the Gospels that... God, and he was doing some stuff. We got this guy that was, was sitting there blind. He had been blind his entire life. He's sitting out there. Jesus walks by and he says, Jesus! 
Jesus kind of keeps moving, and then he gets real bold. Jesus, have mercy on me. And we have this amazing story where Jesus turns around, the blind guy, and boom, he's healed. His eyes are open. Woo! Bartimaeus. We never hear anything else about Bartimaeus after that. I'm not saying he, what, what he did or not, but my point is, if you, you think if you were blind and now you can see, everybody, he would have been the one that wrote the, the epistles. Because he had something miraculously take place. But what happens? What happened today, right now, if everything you needed, God did right now? Every need in your life, God took care of right this moment. Would it change what you're doing? Do you know why God, this is free today. This is not where we're at. We're just going to throw it on out there. Do you know why God allows some stuff in our life? Because that's the only time he can get us to pray. The only time he can get us to pray is allowing stuff in your life because the moment he comes through and cleans all that stuff up, guess what? You don't pray? But I tell you right now, you, your life, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I don't have anybody in mind. So if you get offended, it's not me you need to be offended with. It's the Holy Ghost that's convicting you. But I've seen people that, man, stuff happens in their life. They, they couldn't even make it to church on time. They couldn't even barely make it in the door. But something happens, they're on the front row. Church starts at 10, they're there at 9. Church ends at 11, they're still here. Last one to leave. Because my God, I'm in crisis mode. God, you got to do something. I'm, I'm, I mean, come on, God, help me. Help me, help me. Finally, God says, okay, I'll touch you. Next Sunday? Nah, I'll get there when I can. I'll get there when I can. It's, it's you know, it's, what was the big deal? There's a difference between desperation and hunger. And do you think desperate people are going to make it through all the junk that's in this world? No. Why? She said, help my daughter. He said, uh-uh, uh-uh, I haven't come to do that. She said, fine, help me. Because you know what? Let's be honest. If the circumstances that you are in this room today and you need God to fix, if he came through right now and fixed it, it would not change one ounce of what's going on in here. It wouldn't change really one thing happening inside of here. You think it would. You think that's the answer. If God, you could just fix this or God, you could just do this or God, you could change that. I mean, come on, let's be honest. How many people change jobs thinking that's going to fix it? How many people change, change locations, buy a house, get a car, change husband, change wife, change location? Thinking somehow that changing that's going to fix it only to realize that doesn't really do it. And you got all these people, and yes, but you know what the Bible says? You can go to heaven with a cut-off arm, a cut-off foot, a plucked-out eye. So it's not the need today that God needs to touch. But really today it's touching me that matters more than anything. God, if you don't heal me today, if you don't change my situation, if I walk out of here today with the same stuff I walked in here today, that's okay, but touch me. There was another 
passage of scripture. I was going to read it, but I'll just tell you the story for sake of time. The Bible talks about there were ten lepers that came to Jesus. Forgive me for talking about this, but there's some here that probably may not know the severity of this, so allow me just for a moment, if you would. But to have leprosy during the time of Christ was the most dramatic and life-altering thing that could happen to you. Literally, it was the most traumatic, life-changing event. The moment they, that one spot of leprosy began to appear, there were no questions asked, there was no, there was no time to, to, to reflect on life. At that moment, you were ripped from your family. Take it away from your children, your wife, your husband, whoever it may be. You're ripped out and you're sent off out of the city to die. And if by chance you had to come into the city for any reason, the only way that you were able to enter into the seat to, 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 to the city was to cover yourself fully. And if that wasn't bad enough, then you had to walk in and you had to announce to everybody around you by pronouncing unclean, unclean, unclean where everybody freaked out the streets empties mothers grabbed children shut doors everybody scattered if you were on that side of the street everybody i'm not talking about one or two everybody moved to this side of the street can you imagine if that was the way it was today and you had to walk in here pronouncing your sins Liar! Liar! Everybody knows. Well, there they go. Don't sit over next to them. Cheater! Cheater! Addiction! Addiction! Everybody knows your situation where you not only have to tell, you've got to pronounce it. In fact, we'd play it up on the screen. Top five sins of the week. Here we go. Ready? Number one. And everybody would know. Oh, my God. I can't believe. Don't, don't, don't even look. At, I can't look at someone that did that. Oh, and you sit on this side of the tree and, and, and the whole section clears out. You come to church. Everybody's going to sit over there. What would that make you feel like? How horrible would that make you feel? What kind of emotional damage would that do to you? How unworthy and just... I can't even think of a good word to just... How that would make you feel? It'd be one thing if people didn't know you, but, I mean, you walked in here and said unclean, your wife went the other direction. Hey, wait a minute. Oh, I ain't there next to you. Can you imagine what that felt? And that's sort of the situation of these ten guys that come to Jesus. You're talking about there's no hope. There's no other way. I mean, they're, they're coming and they're crippled. And one's dragging a nub on the foot because he's lost his foot. And one guy can't count more than six because he's lost four fingers. And one guy's lost an eye. And one guy's lost a nose. And one guy's lost ears. And it's just a, a horrible mess. And they're just coming to him. And it looks like some horror 
deal and they're walking in and they're in this. You're talking about desperation. That's desperate. You don't think you can make it to church. You go in right now next week and they diagnose you with stage four cancer and look across you and say, sir, sir ma'am, there's nothing I, you can do. You got three months to live. You don't tell me how spiritual you'll become. Time to pray? Forget that. You call on your boss for vacation time. I got to go pray. Movies? Nah. TV? No. I got to pray. I got nothing else. I'm, I'm, I'm at that moment. God's got to do something. And these guys are in that situation. And they come to Jesus and he says, okay, here's the deal. Go show yourself to the priest and he'll make you clean. Ten guys go to the priest and are cleansed of this leprosy. Can I imagine, I, I'm not, this is the only thing I can think of to, to equate to what that was to be. Imagine if you, your body was filled with cancer and you had just moments left to live and suddenly you came to church and the moment you walked in, everything was, I mean, just 100% taken away. How do you think you would act? I don't know. I don't know about you. I wouldn't need a song to worship. I wouldn't need a beat to dance. That's, a, I mean, for God to do something like that. And here's ten dudes that go to church, see the preacher. The preacher speaks the word over them. They're clean. But when all that took place, one guy, one guy, one guy comes back to Jesus and the Bible says, falls down at his feet and begins to worship him. Ten were desperate, but only one was hungry. Ten were desperate, but one was hungry. And when Jesus saw the hungry one, he looked at him and said, where are the other nine? He said, I don't know. And he said, because of the hunger, because of what's happening, because you returned and you sought me after I gave you the miracle, you weren't satisfied with the miracle, but you wanted more of me because you wanted me. Not only am I going to touch your situation, but now I'm going to touch you. And the Bible says that Jesus spoke and he was made whole. What does that mean? What's the difference between the first, the nine, and him? Because you know what? The nine were made clean. What does that mean? It means all the leprosy was taken out of their body, but the scars, all the stuff that leprosy left behind was still intact. If they were missing, if they were missing parts of their body, those didn't come back. If they had the emotional pain and sorrow, if their wife had gone off and married somebody else, or their husband had married somebody else, if their kids had abandoned them, none of that was put back together again. It's only the fact that their current situation was touched. But the Bible says when he came back and with hunger and sought him, the Bible says that he was made whole. What does that mean? That everything that was missing was returned back. Everything that was done to him was restored. All the things not only on the outside, but down on the inside at that moment. He said, I've touched your situation, but now I'm going to touch you. 
Because you know what? Desperate people only want God to change their surroundings, but hungry people want God to change them. Desperate people only want God to fix where they are, but hungry people want God to fix where they've been and where they're going. Desperation deals with my now, but hunger lets God touch my past so I can have a future. Desperate people live moment to moment. But hungry people live for Him. And there's so many people in here today, you're so desperate. You've got some desperate situations in your life. And does God want to, can God do it? Yes, He can. I've seen it happen moment after. I've seen it happen so many times I've lost count. I know God can do it. But the problem is desperation is okay for the brief moment. But the question today is, what are you going to do beyond your desperation? You see, desperation came on that woman who had nowhere else to turn and she's sick in her body and she doesn't know and she sees Jesus and she sees the answer. But she saw the miracle, she didn't see the man. And the Bible says she pressed through, she pressed through, she pressed through, and she reached out, and she got a hold of that garment, and boom, she was whole. But what happened after that? Jesus kept going, but where did she go? We don't know. But was she seeking the miracle? Was she seeking the man? Was she seeking the the fix? Or was she seeking God? Because you know the problem is when you're desperate, you come to God, He fixes it. It's easy to just keep going. And you know what happens? You get in the cycle. You're desperate. God fixes it, heals it. Boy, you're okay for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, from that standpoint, you start to drift away. Then another desperate, des- desperate situation comes. And you seek God. And so what does God do in His love? God just keeps stuff in your life. <laughs> God keeps stuff in your life. Not because He doesn't love you, because that's the only way He can get you to seek Him. Is to keep chaos. And you hear someone say, well, there's peace and joy and happiness with God. And you're like, really? All I get is craziness. Why is that the case? Has God not loved me? No! Because there's not enough hunger in you to keep you occupied. There's not enough something inside of you that says, God, I want you. If you don't heal me, that's fine. If you don't don't do anything in my life, that's fine. If you don't fix my situation, that's fine. I just want you. If I get the miracle, it's that sort of that saying, teach a, you you give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. That's sort of the difference between desperation and hunger. I solve your desperation. I take care of your moment. But I get you hungry. I set you up for a lifetime. I got to take care of your desperation today. And we line you up across here. And the Spirit of the Lord comes in this place. And we just go one by one. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And it's miracle, 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 miracle. Whoa, that's awesome. But what's next? What happens this week if you leave out of here and everything is perfect in your life? Are you going to pray more? 
Are you going to worship more? Are you going to seek God more? Probably not. But you know what? If there's something that comes inside of you that says, God, I just want you. If you fix it, great. She said, listen, I got a daughter that's messed up. You got to help my daughter. Please help my daughter. He said, uh-uh. No, 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 no. I ain't doing that. And she stopped me and said, wait a minute. Then help me. And the moment she said, help me, he turned to her and said, great. What is your faith? And you know what's amazing about that is? Her daughter got healed anyways. But if she would have let, if she would have just said, you know, have mercy on me. Read it. Read it. Look what it says. Look what her first, her first, her first, uh, where is that thing? Come here. There you go. Look what it says. Look at her first response to him. Cried unto him saying, verse 22, have mercy on me. O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Have mercy. You know what she's saying? Lord, you see where I'm at. Come on. Have a little pity on us down here. Working so hard in this terrible world we're living in. And he didn't even... He didn't even... Can you imagine... I've said this before, i said it again. Can you imagine if Jesus was your pastor... How many of you would come back to church next week if Jesus was your pastor? Oh, pastor, I got a problem. You got to help me. Uh -uh. No, I'm not talking to you. Can you believe he told me he's not talking to me? I mean, come, I would, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram would be blown up this afternoon with the pastor that shunned the poor, needy, desperate Saint. I'm, in fact, I'd, I'm somehow I'd get it on some news camera. Are you a pastor? Yes. How in the world could you give your... Can you imagine if that happened? What if right now the roof opened up, music started playing, oh, and Jesus descended right out of heaven. Ooh, I mean, floating about six inches off the ground. What do they do in the pictures? It's kind of like this, right? We know that's how Jesus stands. Show you the scars. And he's standing there like, oh, you walk up to him and this is your big moment. You're going to finally, and you say, okay, all right, what can I ask for? What, can I, what do I really need? Oh, I got it. I need you to do this. And it's those. Mm. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? How would you respond? Oh, how dare he? Doesn't he know where I am? You know what the thing about it is? He knew his her daughter had a, a devil before she even arrived on the scene. He already knew the problem. So why did he just see her? Hey, 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 you in the back. Your daughter's got a devil. Go home. She's fine. Why not? She comes to him and she says, Oh, have mercy on me, oh God. 
I've got this daughter. And he goes, uh-uh, not even talking to you. But then she changes her whole deal. It's not about mercy. It's not about pity. She just simply responds with, help me. Help me. Go to that next verse, 24. Next verse. One more. Then came she and worshipped him. What's worship? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why didn't she worship him the first time? Where was that the first time? Why didn't you come and fall down and worship him? No, 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 no. Because you, you see, worship is about him. Desperation is about me. I can't worship him if all I'm doing is fixing on my problems. And she comes to him. She's so messed up with all the stuff she's going through. She didn't even acknowledge the whole thing of who he is. And she just says, hey, have mercy on me. And how many of us, this is, I'm not saying this is the case. If you walked in here today and you're like this, I don't know you did that. I wasn't paying attention. But how many of us, that's where we come. We come in here and that's our attitude. We may not be like that outwardly, but that's kind of where we are. We mope in here. And we figure the more mopey we get, the, the God is just going to just feel so bad for us. We mope in. And, and it's everything we do is so, I mean, everything is so difficult in church. I mean, just sitting there, oh, I've made it today. Let's worship. And someone comes up to you. How are you doing? Oh, oh, yeah, just so bad. Did you hear that? It's really bad. I hope you're listening. It's really bad. We're somehow trying to, can I be honest with you? It's manipulation. We're trying to manipulate into God and to feel sorry for us. And guess what God does when he sees that nonsense? I'm not doing anything. But God, we're your poor people. Help us. Nothing. But then you have somebody that comes in here. Life's a mess. Things are going on. Stuff in their life is just chaotic. You wouldn't know it. if You wouldn't know that they just had the worst day of their life. You didn't know on the way to church they got a phone call and got cussed out by their family member. You wouldn't know that because then they walk in. They got a smile on their face. And they walk in and they find themselves. And the first time, they don't even wait for someone to say, let's worship. They lift up their hands and they say, Lord, I just come in this place to give you praise and give you glory and give you honor and give you thanks. And something begins to worship in there. And worship rises out of it. And all of a sudden, God says, you didn't ask me for it, but because you sought me now... Because you didn't seek me, I'm going to do it anyways. She comes back to him the second time after he's told her, get lost. And she said, that first approach didn't work. i got to find plan B. And she began to worship him. And she says, Lord, help me. Didn't become about her. It became about him. 
Bottom line, when you boil all this down, it comes down to one thing. It's about Jesus Christ. It's bigger than what He can do for you. It's bigger than what problems you have in your life. Bottom line comes down to you can go to heaven with the same stuff in your life right now. But the problem is you can't go to heaven without Him. So instead of seeking to get the problem fixed, why don't you seek the one who's able to stand on your boat and say, peace, be still. I'm not looking for a quick fix today. God, i got to find you. I want you. If you get him, you get everything. If I get a miracle today, guess what? I'm going to be seeking for another miracle. And I become this, this miracle junkie that I just want to keep searching for the next fix of the mirror miraculous. Okay, God, and when I don't have anything, I'll go out and create chaos just so I can get some kind of miracle. But when I find Him, and I seek Him, and I know Him, and it's about Him, when I come in here, I don't come in here based off my problem. I don't come in here, sin, yeah, got that check. I don't come in today moping, what's wrong with you? Well, I've sinned. Well, I don't know if I can come to church today because I've done something wrong. I said a bad word. I saw, looked at something bad. I thought something bad. Honey, get in line because I'm first. Get behind me. I'm first in line. I'm not coming here today wearing my badge of perfection to say, hey, everybody, watch out, move out the way because I'm in here today and I've done nothing wrong and I've never been. So y'all just back up and bow before my greatness. No, I walk in here today going, no, I'm not worthy enough to come in here, but for your grace and your mercy. But for your grace and your mercy, not because of perfection, not because of what I've done or haven't done, but because of who you are. I'm not coming here today and put on my suit and comb my hair and put on my tie to fool you into thinking I'm somebody I'm not. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. But I know one thing without Him, I can do nothing. You know, the greatest thing about God is the more you know Him, the more you need Him. <laughs> Most things are the opposite. The more you get of something, the less you need it. But in God, it's actually different. The more you get, the more you get Him, the more you realize you need more of Him. And the more you get of Him, the more you realize, I need more and more and more. What I've got... It's not good enough. That's what hunger does. And you know what? Hunger keeps someone coming back day after day, day after day. I look around and see some of you in this place that have been here for 20, 30 years and been through hell. Yes. Hell. You've been through hell. But every time those thoughts of saying, you know what, forget, quit, give it up, go away. It's not worth it. There was something down in that heart of yours that says, but I still want Him. I still love Him. I still need Him now, today, more than ever before. And if He doesn't solve my problems and i got to keep going through this mess and this junk and all of that nonsense has to keep going, that's okay because as long as I have Him, 
God's not a magician that wants to come and just entertain us with a bunch of magic tricks today. Oh, heal that one. Touch this one. Do that one. Woo, 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 woo. And we just sit going, oh, that was cool. Oh, that was good. Oh, that was, oh, that was awesome. Oh, wow. Oh, whoa, cool. That was good. He saw that person in half, put them back together again. Amazing. No. God's not a magician that comes to entertain his people. God wants somebody that's hungry today. It says, you know what? If you don't fix my problems, okay. You know what? Whether or not I get around to that or not, I just want you. I need you. I need you. Instead of helping my problems, help me. Oh, is there anybody in this place today? I feel the Holy Ghost in here today. I may not be talking to everybody, but I know the Lord is talking to somebody. Is there anybody in this place today that your response is not help my situation, but your response is help me? Help me. Help me. Not help this or fix that or do this or I'm broke and I need money or I'm this and I need that. I'm hurting. I need healing. All that. Can God do it? Yes. But if you get all that and you don't get Him, what are you left with? Nothing. If you get that and you have and you're left with and you don't get Him, you're left with nothing. But you get Him as that one that came back and worshipped him realized I got my situation fixed but you know what I don't really feel different walks down to the priest the priest heals him no more leprosy but he still looks down at his hand and goes you know what I don't have leprosy but I don't really feel much different but he came back and he worshipped him when he worshipped him the Bible says, Jesus said, you're whole. You're talking about feeling different. Woo! There's nothing like when Jesus doesn't just change your circumstances, but he gets down in your heart. And he gets down, I'm not talking about just the big stuff, but he gets down into the little fractured parts of your heart, the little broken pieces the recesses of your heart that no one that's locked away behind closed door after closed door, chain and padlocked and security code and retina scans and thumbprints and all that junk that you bury way down in. There's nothing like when Jesus gets down inside of all that. It starts peeling away a layer of hurt and regret and pain and all that. It starts to bring healing and wholeness and change. When you get that... Huh, I don't think that dude would have cared if he'd have kept leprosy if he got to Jesus. Because something happened to him when he got a hold of Jesus that left him forever changed more than just a miracle. You are in all this. There's people in here today. I don't know every story in here today. I know some. I know a few. Some of you I could probably guess at. Some of you the Lord has revealed a little bit here and there. And I know there's some people here today that you're, you're at the point of desperation. And desperation's good. Desperation probably got you here today. But desperation is one thing. If you don't let your hunger become greater than your desperation, you may be here next week. You may not be here next week. But you know what? Hunger. You know, desperate people, Chris, you can come. Desperate people, do desperate things. Desperate people, I, this sounds gross. 
But people that have been lost out in the wilderness, dying of thirst, they'll eat and drink stuff. You and I probably would never even want to come close to. You hear stories about men that shipwrecked and floating on a raft day after day become so desperate for water that they begin to drink seawater knowing that what they're drinking will kill them. But they're so desperate that they do it anyways. You see, desperation is a powerful thing. Desperation can drive you to God, but see... Desperation always drives you other places too. Desperation is a powerful thing. Desperation can drive you to God, but also desperation doesn't care how you're satisfied. It just wants to be satisfied. Desperate people can be driven to God, but desperate people can be driven to a bottle, a needle, something you snort, something you drink. Desperate people can be drawn to things, participate in stuff. Because you know what? Desperation doesn't discriminate between good and bad. Desperation just needs something. But you know what? Hunger. Hunger. drives you to something that will satisfy. Desperation will make you do something that you know, even while you're doing it, probably is going to cost you your life, but you're so desperate, you're willing to do it anyways. But hunger? Hunger seeks for the satisfaction. Hunger looks for the thing that's going to fill Hunger seeks for the thing that's going to fill that void, that emptiness. Hunger's not going to search for the things that are the dangerous, the hurtful, the painful stuff. Not trying to be retarded or gross, but hunger's not going to drink and eat things that you would drink or eat. If you were in desperate mode. And you hear people about that have been lost or trapped, became so desperate that they would even contemplate eating another human being. That's not hunger. That's desperation. You see, hunger seeks for something that we know will satisfy. Desperation, you take whatever you get. If it's God today, and if it's the world tomorrow, it doesn't really matter. Whatever works. It's party with Jesus on Sunday. Party with everybody else another day. Because you know what? I'm just desperate. I'm just desperate. But hunger seeks. Hunger seeks for that which will fulfill. One of you could just right where you are right now, just close your eyes and bow your head. I was to ask you today,
Do you need something for God? I'm pretty sure probably conservatively 70-80% of the people in this room today would testify, yes, I need something from God today. And that's that can be a powerful thing. That need is a powerful thing. But I'm asking someone today, is there anybody that your need is greater than that? You not just need something, but you need Him. It's not God today, I've come to church because I know if I come to church, you might fix my problems. But Lord, I've come here today because I need you to fix me. God, I've come here today, I've got this issue, take care of it, take care of it, have mercy on me. Or is there anybody here today that says, God, help me. If you don't help my situation, if you don't take care of that, I can survive. But you've got to help me. Help me. Come on, right where you're sitting, right where you are right now. Would you just talk to the Lord? You say, what do I say, preacher? A very simple prayer can be prayed at this moment. Pray what that lady prayed. Pray what we just read. Pray the prayer, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Not a prayer of pity, not a prayer of manipulation, not a prayer of begging, but a genuine request to Him that says, God, I acknowledge today that I can't make it anymore. Help me. Come on, right now. It doesn't have to be very loud. It doesn't have to be at the top of your lungs. But maybe just a quiet whisper of you just simply saying to Him, Lord, help me. Help me. Maybe you go a little farther than that instead of saying just, Lord, help me. Maybe you say today, Lord, I need you in my life. Or maybe to a greater extent, you could pray this, Lord, I need you more than I've ever needed you before. I need more of you. What I have is not enough. I need more. Maybe there's some of you today that you've allowed your life to stop being about Him, even though you've known Him for a while. And now you've got caught up in your problems and situations and you forgot the whole reason why you're here. And that's because He's here. Oh, in the name of Jesus. I loosen this place right now by the authority of the word. A spirit of hunger that would rise up in this place today. I loose it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bind every spirit that would war in this place right now in the name of Jesus. And I loose in this place a spirit of hunger that would rise up in the hearts of the people of this place in Jesus' name. Come on, I wonder if I get some of you that would. Would you just stand right where you are? Would you just close your eyes and stand and lift your hands to heaven and just begin to talk to Him? Come on. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, folks. You're not, it's not about a church today. It's not about a preacher. It's not about who's sitting next to you. It's about you and Jesus. Oh, I need you, Lord. Help me. Help me. Help me today. Help me today. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I loose the spirit of faith in this place right now. 
in the name of Jesus. I wonder if we could do this today. I wonder if we could do this today, if you would do this with me. I know sometimes this feels like it's about pressure, but this is not about pressure. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. Or we like to say today, actions speak louder than words. It's one thing to say something, but it's another thing to act on what you're saying. I've used this before, but allow me to use it again. If I walked up to Timothy right now and I said to him, Timothy, I love you. But I reached back and I slapped him across the face. What do you think he'll, he'll believe more? What I say or what I do? He's going to believe what I did. It doesn't matter how genuine I was in what I said. My actions cancel out what I'm saying. So here's what we're going to do today. If you're in this place, whether it's your first time or maybe you come here every week. And you say today, Lord, I want more of you. I want more of you, more than I've ever had before. I wonder if you could, as a sign of that desire in your heart, would you just get out of your seat, come stand down here up front, lift up your hands. Not knowing Whether no one prays for you or not, that's not the point. But it's, this is a sign between you and Jesus to say, Lord, my actions are going to match my words today. And I told you, Lord, I want more of you. I need more of you. And so now my actions are going to match that. Would you just come down here right now, lift up your hands, and begin to talk to Him? Come on. Let's do this right now. Oh, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Oh, yes. Yes, come on. Just seek Him for a moment. Just you and Jesus. Just you and Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Take a moment. Just cry out to Him. Talk to Him for a moment. You and Jesus. You and Jesus. Oh, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus.